Have you ever really, really wanted someone to be healed? Have you ever known somebody who was not well, who was in a serious accident, and you wanted more than anything for that person to be healed? I've been in this situation several times in life, and I imagine it's just a matter of time. If you haven't, live a little longer, and you will have at some point. Uh, To be alive, to know people, to have a family is to love people and to see them hurt sometimes. When we were in college, Meredith was in a really serious car accident. Uh, My wife, Meredith. And uh, I was there, but in another car. There were two of us, two cars, uh, full of uh, college students. And we were headed up to northwest Arkansas to a friend's farm. And uh, northwest Arkansas is beautiful. Uh, And there's a lot of logging trucks going through these little mountain roads up there. And so I was in a car, and she was in the car behind me. And uh, and I was just in the back seat of mine. But we passed around this logging truck. And I remember sitting in the center in the back seat of this Toyota Camry and looking in the rearview mirror and I could see the car accident. I saw it all. It just happened right behind me. Uh, her, The car that she was in uh, got into a head-on collision uh, as they were trying to make that pass. This is what happens sometimes. And uh, it was awfully, awfully terrible. And I was panicked and I was also useless. So I was there immediately with some other friends and we called 911 and And we didn't know what to do. Uh, It was a perilous scene and a a really, really awful accident. Meredith was in the hospital for like 26 days after that. Uh, She was seriously injured in that accident. And I didn't know anything. (laughs) And I couldn't do anything other than pray and say, God, please, please save her. Uh, Please save her. This is the situation that a couple of friends are in in Scripture today, when these few friends have one of their friends who can't move his arms and legs, he's a paralytic, he can't move, he has to be carried around, and these friends, like brothers, are desperate to see their friend healed, nothing's going to stop them from seeing this friend get healing, and they do whatever it takes uh, to see their friend healed. We're reading in Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 5 today. I'm going to be reading this story out of the Bible that's right in front of you, the Pew Bible. It's page 913 if you want to open up and follow along. You just open up to page 913. It's Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Darn it, again. (laughs) It's still Luke. We've been in Matthew for so many weeks. It's Luke, Luke chapter 5 starting in verse 17 on page 913. If you're looking at the titles, it says the Son of Man forgives and heals in the Pew Bible. It may be different in your own Bible. Let's pray together and I'll read this story. Father God, I pray that you would heal us and that you would teach us about who you are. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, on one of those days, while Jesus was teaching, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there, uh, who were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea, also came from Jerusalem. The Lord's power to heal was with him. Just then, some men carried on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. 
And they tried to bring him in and set him down before Jesus. Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowds, they went up on the roof and they lowered him on the stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Well, the scribes and the Pharisees, they began to think to themselves, who is this man speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But knowing their thoughts, perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied to them, why are you thinking this in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your stretcher, and go home. And immediately he got up before them, and he picked up what he had been lying on, and he went home glorifying God. And then everyone was astonished, and they were all giving glory to God. And they were filled with awe and they said, we have seen incredible things today. This is the word of the Lord for us. The crowds are following Jesus at all times because the word is out there that Jesus is healing people. And he is. Miraculous things are happening. This isn't the first time someone said, we've seen incredible things today. Incredible things are happening. I mean, they're... They are seeing people walking around who had formerly been blind beggars now walking around on the streets back to work. And so the crowds were all gathered around this house and they were gathered around this house so much. You got to think about this. There's not a sanctuary like this, but Jesus is in a house in a living room teaching people about who God is and what God wants for them. He's sharing parables with them and the living room is crowded and there's people back in the kitchen looking through the kitchen window, sitting up on the island, trying to also hear. There's people in the side hallways. There's even some people in the back bedrooms going, okay, what'd he say? You know, pass it along, telephone game it to me. There's people outside the living room, outside the house, with the windows open, just listening in. I would be too. If people are being miraculously healed like this, if someone is proclaiming the word of the Lord... And, and the crowds are so crowded around that these guys who travel a great distance with their friend carrying him on a stretcher, because that's his life. His life is laying on the stretcher. That's it for him. His arms and legs don't work when he's called a paralytic in some translations, or here it just calls him paralyzed, but it means that his arms and legs don't work. He, he is entirely dependent on other people and his life is laying on a stretcher. But he has these friends who love him and who are desperate to see him healed, and nothing's going to stop them, to the point (laughs) that when they arrive with their stretcher, and they can't get in near to Jesus, and nobody else is looking to give up their spot because they want to get in near, these guys simply go around back, climb up on the roof, and tear a hole in the roof so that they can lower their friend down right into the middle of where Jesus is. It's incredible. And what does Jesus say? He says, your sins are forgiven. 
The friends are trying to solve one very important problem, that this guy's body doesn't work properly. He's paralyzed. But Jesus knows that he has a bigger problem. That is that his sins are unforgiven. When he dies, he will go before God and have to account for these sins like all of us do. Jesus says to him, solving the bigger problem first, your sins are forgiven. Your debts are cleared now. And this is astonishing. And all of the scribes and Pharisees who are there, the scribes, you're going to understand those to be kind of like religious law lawyers, these attorneys. And the Pharisees are the ruling religious party at the time, as in Judea, in Israel at the time, though it is ruled by Rome, the local politics, all of it's spiritual. And so both parties, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and some other minor parties, they vie for who's in charge of the local synagogue. They charge for who's uh, over the Sanhedrin, which is their Congress, so to speak. It's all approximations, but that's how it is. So the Pharisees are the ruling party at the time. They have the majority. And they, along with the scribes, these lawyers, are all listening in intent on Jesus because they've seen all of this, and they don't necessarily like it. It threatens them personally, their authority and their leadership, their ownership of the rules, essentially. They interpret them how they want. And Jesus comes in here teaching against them. And Jesus comes in and says, your sins are forgiven. And what do the Pharisees say? They say he's blaspheming. Only God can forgive sins. See, they understand clearly what Jesus is saying here. They're not wrong. Only God can forgive sins. He is the only judge who will stand in judgment over all people, God himself. And so it is only God himself who can declare rightly, you are forgiven, which includes both you are absolutely wrong, but it's not going to be held against you any longer. Instead of justice, you're going to get grace from God. Jesus says you are forgiven. And these Pharisees know that that means he is claiming to be God. And that's why they say it's blasphemy. They go, that's blasphemy to claim to be God like this. Because only God can forgive sins. And what happens next? Jesus, because he is God, (laughs) Jesus knows what they're thinking. He knows their thoughts. And he says out loud, they don't say anything. He just knows their thoughts. And he goes, why are you thinking these evil things? Why are you thinking like this? Which one do you think is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? Because it's true. Anybody could say, hey, your sins are forgiven. Hey, your sins are forgiven. And you get forgiveness. And you get forgiveness. But it doesn't mean anything. I'm just be saying that. Unless it's God himself, they're not forgiven. You could just be saying whatever you wanted to. And Jesus says, but so you know that I have the authority to forgive sins as well. He demonstrates his miraculous power. He demonstrates that he is God himself. He says to a guy who's never walked before, go on up with you. He says, get up. Why don't, you, don't just get up. This isn't like him walking in physical therapy between the two rails trying to, you know, hobble along. This is get up, go ahead and carry the heavy mat that you've been laying on. You're going to pick up the cot too and go walk on your own. This is miraculous healing that Jesus does. And the point is very clear. This guy has two problems. He needs healing and he needs the forgiveness of his sins because he's a sinner. And Jesus solves both problems right there on the spot. Because Jesus has the power 
to declare a person is forgiven of their sins before God and will not face judgment. And Jesus has the power to heal as he would like. This is a, just a great, joyful story. But for our applications today, I want to focus on these men who were willing to do anything to get their friend to Jesus. The story is about the power of Christ and how he demonstrates it powerfully in this man's life and publicly in front of everyone else. But I want to talk for just a second about those guys who tore a hole in someone else's roof in order to get their friend in front of Jesus. It's wild for us if we are going to be like this, if we have friends or family members that we would like to see their sins forgiven and we would like to see them healed, we are going to have to do likewise. There will always be obstacles to people coming to meet Jesus, coming to know Christ and hear His Word. Do not be deterred by any of the obstacles. You know what they're like. There's always some difficulty in communication. It's hard to get a hold of somebody. It's hard to schedule a time and coordinate calendars when you can sit down together. There's always something else vying for your time when you know you should be reaching out to some friend of yours, some family member. There's just family history. There's some guilt or some shame, some feelings of inadequacy. All these obstacles that keep us from being the kind of people who will do whatever it takes to help our friends come to Christ and know the saving grace of Christ. Don't be discouraged by the obstacles. Football season is upon us. So how about a football illustration? I was listening, I was watching some preseason football last night. This is more of Meredith's thing. Once you know our family, you know she's more excited about football than I am. But so Meredith has a preseason game on, and they're talking about how Andy Dalton, you know Andy Dalton, maybe not. Uh, he's bounced around kind of a B-level quarterback, a bunch of different teams. He was with the Cowboys for a couple of games last year. Well, he's with the Bears now. Good for you, Bears. You know, I, mean, I don't know what to say about that. There's nothing... There's not a lot of hope here, uh, but he's also there with the Bears, and he knows he's kind of the B-tier guy. They've drafted just now this phenom college player who they're hoping to put in, but the Bears said, listen, uh, f- to start off with, so we don't burn up this young kid real quick, we're going to work with him a little bit and get him there, so to start off with, Andy Dalton, he's our quarterback. He's going to be the number one, and what does Andy Dalton say? Does he go, you know what, I know I'm just keeping a seat warm. I'll keep it warm the best I can. You know, we'll, we'll, play, we'll play moderately. We'll just try to have no turnovers and just keep ourselves together. Now, Andy Dalton goes, I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. I'm not here to keep somebody else's seat warm. I'm here to play and to win and to do whatever it takes. And it's a great attitude from him. How about a better one? Let's go straight to the fountain of football illustrations, Rudy himself. Rudy who has to overcome all kinds of obstacles, but nothing will stop him from his goal. He's too small. He's not a natural. He has no money to pay for school. He can't find a place to sleep at night. He couldn't make the grades to even get into college to play football. He didn't have the support of his family. They even told him, quit following this dream. 
obstacles everywhere, and he was not discouraged by his obstacles. This, I can promise you, that's not the last football illustration you hear this season. You're welcome. But likewise, these guys in Scripture, these friends, there was no obstacle that was going to stop them from their friend coming to Christ. I'm never interested in sending any of you on a guilt trip. I didn't, we don't gather today so I can say, why aren't you doing better? And so that's not usually the way I go on this. You know, some of you know what it's like to overcome obstacles to Christ. Some of you have to battle them yourself this morning. There were obstacles to even getting here. Whether well, it was alarm clocks that didn't work or children who were going crazy or just memories or pain or missing friends and family. There's all kinds of things that are deterrents to us making it along to gather for worship and all of us getting around the Word of God together to learn from Him. Don't be discouraged by obstacles for yourself and all the more. Our friends, our family members are desperately in need to know that there's a God who forgives sins, who heals people and changes their... There's a good God in the world. And they need to know about it because we're not all right apart from this God. Don't let any obstacle discourage us from bringing our friends to Christ so that they can know Him, be forgiven, and be healed by Him. The second application for us is like the first. Don't be discouraged by obstacles, but likewise, do whatever it takes to get our friends and family members to the Word of God. This is a slightly more specific point. How do you go from not believing to believing? How do you go from not believing to believing? Some of you here are very recent to faith. Some of you have only just recently trusted Christ and said, you know what, I, I, I do believe. I know this is true. I'm so excited about it. And others of you who are here today don't believe yet. And that's all right. I'm so glad that you're here with us. You are always welcome here. You simply don't believe this. But for all of us, whether it's a person who has recently come to belief somebody who's been believing in Christ for a long time, or somebody who's not yet, how does it change? How do you switch from not believing to believing? It's not a particularly compelling sermon, necessarily. There's not a steps, a series of steps that I can give you to tell you how you can convince somebody in five arguments how to trust Christ, because it's not necessarily an argument. Rather, the Word of God itself gives us the answer. Romans chapter 10, verse 15, Paul says, Romans chapter 10, verse 15, Paul says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. There's a lot of people who speak pretty, but the words of God are different than the words of people. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So if that's what it takes to get to healing, then do whatever it takes to get them to the word of God. This doesn't necessarily mean only bring them to church, but it also means get the word of God to them. It may not look like tearing a hole in a roof to get them into a place, but tearing a hole in a roof to get the word of God to them. 
I want to give you, we've been talking about who's your one and as a cookies on the bottom shelf sort of thing. I use that phrase to say, listen, let's make this as easy on you as possible. You love somebody, you care about them, you want them to know about the, the grace of God and how good God's been to you. Here's the really, really easy way to go about doing this. Anybody could. You take your who's your one guide. This is where we're praying for a month and each day it gives you a little prayer a Bible verse and a little prayer you can pray and fill in their name for a month. That's what we're doing. The little tree in the lobby it, with the leaves on it, we've put names of people that we're praying. And I hope you'll do that today. You're welcome to go out on your way out and get a leaf either at the base of the tree or on the table and get one of the Sharpies and write a name on there and join them on the tree so we can all be praying together for these people. And just take one of these guides. They're out there on the lobby. Just take it and start praying for somebody. Every day for a month. It gives you 30 days. This is not hard. You can do it. If you don't know Christ yourself yet, but you want to, take one for yourself and read that verse each day and pray this prayer. Say, God, I don't, I don't know. I just don't know, but I want to. If you're real, I, I would love to know it. If this is all true, I want whatever's true. I'm not looking to live a lie. Teach me, show me. But for you who want to take Scripture to somebody else and cut a hole in a roof and give it to them, then you can take one of these days with that Bible verse there and simply send a text message to a friend of yours and say, I read this verse today and I was thinking of you. Because after all, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So here's the word of God. Here it is for you. But by writing a letter, by a simple text message, day three in your book, Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew chapter 11, and it is Matthew this time. Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Say, hey, hey neighbor, hope all's going well. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world, but I read this Bible verse and I thought of you and I just wanted to share it with you. May God be with you and you with him. It's as easy as that. It doesn't require brilliance on your part or careful articulation. It just has to require a will to see somebody else trust and a belief that faith comes by hearing the word of God to take it to them. There it is, as easy as it gets today. But do whatever it takes to get your friends to the word of God, taking the word to them sharing with them at all times. Have a verse prepared with yourself to be able to share when someone needs it. When you run into these random encounters that are just an interesting encounter you weren't expecting to have during the day, but being able to say on any given day, hey, I, got the, I know this Bible verse, and I just want to share it with you real quick. I don't know it exactly, just bear with me, but Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and I'll give you rest. And he means it for you too. Be ready to take the word with you. And yeah, invite people. Invite someone to read the Bible with you. Just say, why don't you come read the Bible with me? If faith comes by hearing in the word of God, then here, let's just start in Matthew or Luke, whichever one. One of these gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, let's read it together a little bit. Let's talk about it. Just come and read the Bible with me. Of course, invite them to church. There will never be a Sunday where we don't talk about the word of God. Of course, 
invite them to church and then say, hey, stay with me for Sunday school. Come to Sunday school class with me. You can invite a friend on Wednesday night. Right now we're reading an apologetic book together that answers difficult questions about Christianity, and it's always included in there that we hear some verses of Scripture along with reading that book. It's a great place to start for people who have questions about Christianity like, how could a good God send people to hell? Those sorts of questions are what we're addressing in these next eight weeks on Wednesday night. And even having arrived at Scripture, it's not over yet. So don't give up until you've helped these people trust Christ. Um, I have for you today what I think is the most humble bragging illustration of them all, uh, but also fits perfectly. Um, My brother uh, was in the New York Times yesterday. Yeah, come on. And it's because, no, no, not for nefarious things either. It's uh, uh, there's an article that was in the print edition on page A8 of the uh, New York Times. I don't get the New York Times. I can't stand it. Uh, but <laughs> maybe you do. Uh, I, I recommend the Wall Street Journal, but as you like. Uh, my brother is a, uh, I already call him the colonel, though he doesn't have promotion for another month or two yet, but he's still a major uh, in the Army. And uh, he spent a lot of time and wrote a lot of letters to get his interpreter from when he was in Afghanistan over here, that interpreter and his family. He spent the last few months on this. We were talking about it back in July while we were on the beach together and, uh, and all the work he went through. Uh, he and there's this other group of officers that were doing everything they could to write letters to anyone they could and make as many phone calls as they could to get their interpreters and our Afghan allies who had served with the army out of Afghanistan as quickly as we could. And so the article is titled, From Kabul Airport to Houston Walmart. Desperate to get to America. And it's about how my brother helped to get his uh, interpreter and his family here. Uh, I'll read a short piece. Major Austin Bird, who commanded the Army Engineer Company at that base, appointed Mr. Czar, as ch- his name is Czar, uh, as, uh, together, uh, as the chief interpreter. Together they taught the Afghan military personnel how to use and maintain equipment like bulldozers and backhoes. Mr. Czar went on combat missions with, Mr., uh, with Major Bird's soldiers in several provinces, and they came under fire on and off the base. But there were light moments, too, and a friendship blossomed. I remember celebrating the birth of his fourth child in 2012, Major Bird said in the interview. We discussed the joys of fatherhood over tea, and Czar and I talked about how great it was to be a father and the unique joys of having sons and daughters. Um, I'm proud of my brother who, who would do anything. And here's the text message conversation last night uh, with Austin, Major Bird. I said, now I'm trying to figure out how to work in a humble brag about you in my sermon tomorrow. And he said, just work it in as a prayer request for Czar and for all the refugees. Then see if there's any that are coming to South Carolina so that y'all can support them and witness to them. Also, do you know any pastor friends in Houston that I can send to talk with Czar? I'm, a, I'm really proud. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a, it's a humble brag. Let's pray for these people. Father God, I lift up Czar and his family now that they are safe in Houston, Texas. I pray that they would come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I pray that these children would all be able to be raised up to be strong men and women 
in a healthy country, and I pray that they would learn about you and trust you. Father, I pray for peace in the world. Though I know there is only one Prince of Peace, it is you. So I pray that you would establish your peace and your kingdom from beginning to end so that people may rejoice in peace and know that Jesus Christ is Lord. And this I pray in Jesus' name, amen. The final point I have for you today is this. Our paralyzed man in scripture today, he didn't need a life hack. He didn't need some tweaks to his life. He didn't just need like a different club membership or gym membership to get himself better. You know, there's a bunch of crazy life hacks out there. And here's how we're going to make your life better. Here's a few simple things you could do and get better. He didn't need a tweak. He didn't need a life hack. He didn't need to change his routine. He needed transformation. He needed complete transformation and healing. And that's what Christ offers you today too. I'm not here with some life hacks or some tweaks for you. A list of six things you could do better to live your best life now. I'm here to tell you that if you're broken, Christ will fix you. That if you are a sinner, he will forgive your sins. Everyone who comes to him today. He has already done everything that you need on the cross. His desire is to see you healthy, well, forgiven, and restored to relationship with Him. Let no obstacle stop you from going to Christ today and saying, please, heal me. Have you ever really, really wanted someone to be healed? Have you ever really, really wanted someone to know the good life in Jesus Christ? Then don't let any obstacles discourage you. Do whatever you can to get the Word of God to them. And remember that we don't, they don't, none of us need simply an adjustment. We need a new transformation a new life in Christ, but that this is exactly what Christ is offering. Father God, I thank you that you are so gracious to us, that you have allowed us opportunities everywhere to proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. I thank you that you are not far away or hidden, but that you are near I thank you that you were so kind to me as to forgive me of my sins. Change my heart and put your Holy Spirit in me. And I thank you that your Spirit is at work even now in this congregation. I pray that whoever heard your word today wouldn't harden themselves from it, but they would receive the word and have faith. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.